On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Dossier listeners, throughout the course of season two, I've made clear that I wanted to share investigative files with you. I've defined these files as part of a document dump that outlines the evidence, the informants, and information that exists around this case. In producing a podcast, the examination of documents is a complex and hard creative process. In the sheer volume of information and investigative work product has taken me years to organize, verify, and piece together into a cohesive narrative thread. In these next series of episodes, I will begin to highlight the evidence inside the FBI Biggie files. Now, for more information and exclusive access, you can visit www.patreon.com forward slash dossier. I created that to serve as a home base for even more visual material and unedited audio and video that supports all the work I've been doing and all the work that's done behind the scenes at Dossier Headquarters. The first tranche of documents I want to share are dated April 16th of 2003. It is a memo that was written by Phil Carson to be circulated within the Los Angeles Field Division of the FBI was approved by FBI agents Steve Gomez and Brent Braun. It follows under the case ID number of 194C-LA-232722. So all you aspiring journalists out there, go ahead and file a FOIA request with that particular case ID number and let's see what the FBI gives you. This document was written and typed by Phil Carson, and it was in the early stages of his FBI investigation. One could call this an origin document. In layman's terms, Carson has to outline the highlights of the case, provide details. But also, one thing is clear. He has to explain in a very clear way facts, a chronology, and the names of people involved. What strikes me about this early document within the FBI is Phil Carson is simply telling a story and he's backing it up. On page one, Carson writes the following. On March 9th of 1997, Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Notorious B.I.G., was murdered as he left the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles after attending a post-music awards ceremony. Wallace was in the middle car of a three-car caravan when a dark Chevy SS Impala pulled next to him and fired several times into the passenger area where Wallace was sitting. We get out, Puff pull out first. We pull out behind him. He blow past the light. We stopped at the light. 
When we stopped at the light, I see some chicks like you know, on the on the curb. Me yelling out the window, yo, yo, ma, what's up? Yo, what's good? Da, da, da. And before you know it, a car just rolled up, start popping in the car. Didn't say nothing, didn't yell nothing. Just pop, 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 pop. And that car just rolled up in there, man, and changed our life. Wallace died minutes later at a local hospital. Now in the next phase, Phil gets into real information. Several sources have identified the shooter as a light-skinned black male wearing a suit and bow tie. Amir Muhammad, a.k.a. Harry Billups, the godparent to LAPD officer David Mack's two children, has been identified by several sources as being the trigger man. Now that's key, several sources. It has also been noted by several sources that David Mack and other LAPD officers attended this party and were seen with Amir just prior to the shooting. I was there that night Biggie got killed. And so were some of the LAPD officers we talked about. I would put money on LAPD's involvement, you know. They're all not on the force anymore, so I guess it doesn't matter, but. Did you see David Mack and Perez uh, at the event at the Peterson Motel? They were all there. Yes, they were there. Mack is a registered owner of a 1995 black SS Impala with chrome wheels. The exact description given as being driven by Wallace's shooter. Mack used this car as a getaway car when he committed a bank robbery where $722,000 was taken. I didn't know that he used the SS Impala in the bank robbery. That's an interesting point. Mack subsequently was convicted and is currently serving a 12-year prison term. None of the 722,000 has been found. Mack's two accomplices have never been identified and based on prison logs, Amir Muhammad was the first to visit Mack when he was arrested and detained. Sources have also stated other LAPD officers were present and seen talking on cell phones when Wallace was leaving the party and entering his car. Now, when Phil writing this, he's writing this to his bosses at the FBI. So just put yourself in his shoes. He's not going to make something up here just to impress his bosses. This is the FBI. You can't fuck around. Continuing in the document, bodyguards of Wallace and members of his entourage have identified Amir as confronting Wallace's caravan just prior to his shooting. It alleged that same tactics that Mack used to commit the bank robbery were used to pull off the Wallace murder. Because of the professional manner in which Wallace's murder took place, it is alleged that not only could one gang member, Amir, who he identifies as a mob Hyru blood, I'm not sure about that, could pull this off, but it would have taken a large contingency of people and officers. Now, this is where he starts to talk about the infamous search warrant at David Mack's house. After a search warrant was served at Mack's residence after the bank robbery, 
It was discovered in his garage. He had a shrine to Tupac Shakur and numerous 9mm guns and ammunition, LAPD radios, scanners, and other tactical items. Note, a 9mm gun was used to kill Wallace with very rare Gecko 9mm ammunition. They also mentioned that, and I have a document from, from Russ Poole, where they, um, they were sending, they were doing ballistics on not only the casings, but on the, um, on the other Ruger, on the Gecko uh, Luger uh, bullets that they found at Mac's house. But all that information, they said, was being sent to a, some New York database. When I went and talked to Katz about that, I said, hey, I'd like to see the results of if, if you guys compared that, where the Gecko Roman or the Gecko Luger um, bullets at his house were, in fact, made from the same batch as the casings were. And he says that that you know that hasn't been done. I said, well, can I get this evidence? You know, because then I'll go ahead and do uh, I'll do that ballistic analysis. And he wouldn't give it to me. Tupac was killed in Las Vegas in September of 1996, six months prior to Wallace being shot. LAPD officer David Mack and other alleged LAPD officers were mob Pyru Blood gang members that worked with and affiliated with Death Row Records. When Tupac was killed, it is alleged by many that Wallace was killed in retaliation and this was orchestrated by Mac, his good friend Amir, and other LAPD officers that Mac associated with. The LAPD subsequently opened a homicide case after the Wallace murder and has not been able to locate Amir or solve the murder. Sources within the LAPD have stated that Chief Bernard Parks, the chief at the time of Wallace's murder, thwarted the murder investigation when Mac and the LAPD officers began to show up as potentially being involved. A federal civil lawsuit was filed by Valletta Wallace charging police negligence and cover-up in the murder of her son. S.A., that's Special Agent Carson, has met with Miss Wallace's attorneys who stated they will make a copy and provide their entire federal case. Chief Bratton of the LAPD has also been briefed on captioned case and has stated that he will have robbery homicide, who has been investigating caption case, provide their case file as well. So there you have an interesting tidbit. Bratton agreed to give the FBI the robbery homicide files. That's something I didn't know and I find very interesting. The document goes on. Numerous sources have stated they will cooperate with the FBI in attempts to determine what role LAPD officers played in the murder of Wallace. One source has stated he transported money between Los Angeles and Phoenix to help pay for the Wallace murder. 
in that he met with Mac and several other LAPD officers to discuss this. Now, the next part of this is interesting, and it's a chronology of key events. And so where it starts is September of 1993. Calvin Brodus, AKA Snoop Dogg, a death row artist, was charged along with two other death row employees in the murder of a gang member in Los Angeles. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming of age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and seriouses, liars, and assassins the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison Song of Solomon, a timeless tale that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day, or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to 100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special or you and the wife need a scintillating night out, every once in a while at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Snoop Doggy Dog, a judge in Los Angeles, refused today to drop murder charges against him. We, the jury in a bubble tile action, find a defendant, Calvin Brodus. Not guilty of the crime of murder in the first degree. When you got David Kenner, Don Ray, and Johnny Cochran, they represent all these guys. Now, in the in between times of this going on, 
one of Snoop guys, I ain't gonna say no name, and Snoop know this, he wanted a few dollars. So since he says he didn't give the guy the money, he called the DA. The DA put him with the PI. The PI met with him and he told him the motherfucking truth and gave him some evidence. So what happened, Snoop's manager at the time, you know, she dates the police. The police knew the PI for the DA. They was willing to talk to me because they say he fucked. This guy is going to testify that Snoop the one shot the dude and killed him. He recorded him. I heard it for myself. The guy wanted to play ball. He got some bread. He destroyed the tape. And that's one of the things. Every day Snoop went to trial and those guys had to come testify against him. It was a hundred po- well, it was a hundred pyrus and bloods out there standing up on that court road. No dudes had to walk past. Forensic and ballistic evidence crucial to the case in the possession of the LAPD Pacific Division became missing. At the time, the evidence became missing. LAPD officer Kevin Gaines was living with Sharitha Knight, estranged wife of Suge Knight. Sharitha Knight was producing Snoop Dogg at this time and running a major part of death row. How can you accidentally do that? You know, I remember in the trial, they said that they they accidentally put a a message out for them to push some button to make evidence disappear or something. How can you accidentally do that? Snoop Dogg was subsequently acquitted. Note, Kevin Gaines was shot and killed by LAPD officer Frank Liga on March 18th of 1997. This document goes further. Kevin Gaines was an admitted blood gang member and through Sharitha Knight, had an active role in death row activities. Phil Phil and uh, Steve Sandbar interviewed me a couple of times. Now, October 1st of 93, Tupac is arrested for shooting an off-duty Atlanta police officer. November 1st of 94, Phil starts to talk about Quad Studios and Tupac being shot five times during a robbery in the lobby of Quad Recording Studios. Now... If you really want to understand Quad Studios, you can go to this feed and listen to the Jimmy Henchman story, which goes in depth into this Quad Studios incident. Now, March 13th of 95, a gang member is murdered at the El Rey Theater in Los Angeles. Many of the security people are off-duty police officers from Long Beach PD, Compton PD, Inglewood PD, Hawthorne PD, and LAPD all working for right-way securities who handled all death row security at that time. So that is Reggie Wright Jr. The victim was beaten by numerous blood gang members. Death Row, Suge Knight, and many police officers working for death row are and were blood gang members. Right-way was run by Reggie Wright Jr., a former Compton police officer whose father at the time was a current Compton police officer. So then you have 1995, the Source Awards. I'd like to tell Tupac to keep his guards up. We ride with him. And one other thing I'd like to say, any artist out there want to be an artist, 
and want to stay a star and don't want to, don't want to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the videos, all on the record, dancing, come to death row. Then you go to November 1st of 1995, one month after the Source Awards, Suge Knight accuses Puffy Combs for the Atlanta murder of Mr. Robles. Suge was with Robles when he was fatally shot, which was the result of an argument between Death Row and Bad Boy employees. Orlando Anderson, aka Baby Lane, was identified by a police officer as being involved in this killing. Huh, that's a weird little piece there. Says Detective Kevin Aquinas of the NYPD FBI Task Force has sourced who stated Anthony Jones, a.k.a. Wolf, was also involved, who is a bodyguard for Puffy Combs. So this is an interesting point here, and it names somebody, Detective Kevin Aquinas, who was part of this NYPD FBI task force that was following Biggie around. They supposedly were there. This is someone that we have to try and track down. Detective Kevin Aquinas, that's A-Q-U-I-N-A-S. On November 1st of 1995, Biggie's named Rap Artist of the Year by Billboard magazine. On November 5th of 95, LAPD officer Richard McCauley is investigated for working for death row, which is a violation of LAPD policy. Then, in 1995, recording artist Randy Stretch Walker was murdered in a drive-by shooting in Queens, New York. In winter of 95, shots are fired at a trailer being used to record a video by Snoop Dogg of Death Row. In May of 1996, Death Row is investigated for zoning violations associated with numerous crimes of violence. Reports of this state, there are armed security guards at this location in plain clothes and in security uniforms. These security officers are off-duty police officers and retired officers which are employed by Death Row. Kendrick Knock, he was dealing with all these complaints about the problems at uh, a studio uh, that had been leased by Suge Knight and Death Row Records. So you had a you know very suburban neighborhood with a lot of gangbangers parking their cars in their driveways and confrontations and you know so he thought he was just kind of walking into that to try to smooth relations between these two separate cultures and he found out that um, that you know, LAPD officers were working uh, for death row and were in and out of the studio. March 7th of 1996, a fight breaks out between death row and bad boy employees in the VIP area at the 1996 Soul Train Awards with guns being brandished. Officers responding state Snoop Dogg was present with 15 to 20 additional gang members along with armed security guards. Also present are off-duty police officers from Hawthorne PD and the LAPD Metro officer, among the other agencies. Responding officers add these off-duty officers worked for Snoop as bodyguards. So again, there's so much proof that there was 
officers everywhere within death row and even within bad boy. Now, in June of 96, the LAPD is informed that the ATF was conducting an investigation of death row concerning firearm violations in that the IRS was conducting a simultaneous tax investigation. In June 2nd of 96, a meeting between the LAPD and death row takes place to discuss dissatisfaction with armed security personnel in the use of off-duty police officers. So again, there's a meeting that took place between the LAPD and death row. They knew they had a problem at this point, and this is June 2nd of 96. Then you go to August 18th of 96. Four identified gang members were arrested as they left death row. One semi-automatic handgun and two ski masks are recovered. September 7th of 96, Orlando Anderson was beaten at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas on the night of the Tyson-Holyfield fight. Suge Knight, Tupac, and other death row members were involved in the assault, which is actually caught on videotape. Now, here is a piece of the document that starts to get important is that on September 7th of 1996, it states LAPD officers David Mack and Kevin Gaines were present in Las Vegas for the Tyson Holyfield fight. Now, same night, September 7th, 1996, Tupac of Death Row was shot and killed in Vegas in the car driven by Suge as they left the MGM Graham. September 9th, this is two days after 1996, according to Compton PD search warrant, gang members of a gang associated with death row met at Looters Park in Los Angeles to discuss retaliation against Southside Crip gang members for the Tupac shooting. After this meeting, the LAPD learned that Leslie Galden, an Inglewood school police officer, was working for death row. October 22nd of 96, Suge Knight is incarcerated in LA County Jail for a probation violation. This would be the beating of Orlando Anderson. October 23rd of 96, while the LAPD is interviewing death row employees, the interview 
was disrupted by Alwyn Gittins, a San Bernardino reserve officer working security for death row. I mean, as you start to read these documents, it seems like death row had someone from every damn police department in the state of California. November 4th of 96, FBI Los Angeles received a call from an LAPD officer identifying himself as Officer Richard McCauley, inquiring whether the FBI had an ongoing investigation on death row. McCauley was investigated for his ties to death row in November of 1995. So interesting. An LAPD officer calls the FBI. I didn't know that. And, and asks about an investigation, which just seems crazy to me. The only LAPD officers that I have, let me reiterate, the only ones that ever worked for me was a guy named Rich McCauley. And he didn't start working for me until about, uh, about 1995, 1996. So March 9th, 1997. And here is where, you know, Phil outlines that particular night. Biggie is shot and killed. He talks about a ballistic examination of the shell casings revealed the weapon used was a nine millimeter and the brand of ammunition was made by Gecko. Now, Gecko is a metal piercing round made in Europe and rarely found in the U.S. Yeah, they were nine millimeter, the Gecko Luger, in fact, I'll... There's nine millimeter casing, and all seven of them were Luger. And that's where that type of bullet is made in Germany. And it's a pretty specific bullet, and there's only two distribution places in the U.S. One's in Corona, California, which is just inland from where, you know, down here in Orange County, and the other is in New Jersey. Shortly after the murder of Biggie, an anonymous person placed a telephone call to Biggie's mother in New York and stated that a person identified as DMAC was involved in her son's killing. Now, this has gotten controversial. DMAC, I know Kading talks about this. In the report, Phil says Miss Wallace spoke with the LAPD, gave them this information, and was subsequently told by the LAPD there are over 500 DMACs in the phone directory. Fair enough. No further follow up was done by LAPD. Miss Wallace did not learn there was an LAPD officer named DMAC until reading the June 7th, 2001 article in Rolling Stone magazine. After the murder of Biggie, LAPD officers learned that an informant had stated a police officer named Mac was paid $25,000 to murder Biggie. Chronology ends, obviously, with the murder. Next time, what is on these documents is witnesses that Phil had either talked to or were becoming confidential informants or confidential sources. And on the next episode, I'm going to go down the list. So I want to thank you for listening to this first episode of the FBI documents and the, the secret FBI biggie files. I think this exercise is important for the storytelling and to understand what actually existed and still exists, not only with the FBI investigation, but inside robbery homicide at LAPD. 